0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take our Bibles. I want to talk to you for a few minutes out of the book of Judges. I've titled today's message Operation Freedom. Since we are in the theme of independence and uh, the, the birth of our country, the glorious liberty that we live in as Americans, isn't it good to be an American today? Huh? Let us not forget just how great it really is. I know we got problems. I know we got problems. But I've been around the world. This is the best country on planet Earth. I've seen the abject poverty. I've seen the corruption. And nothing beats this country. Nothing. And we are blessed to live here. I was telling somebody earlier, I said, "I I wish every American would go somewhere else so they could learn to appreciate what we have. Just, just some gratitude would help get things started in the right direction again, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just simple gratitude. Um, and I'm grateful to, to be a part, uh, a citizen of this great country and pray that God will continue to bless us and that we will awaken to in God we trust again. Yes. Hmm? You, Amen. <laughs> I want to give you some truths here that from the book of Judges. You know, the, um, from the Old Testament, we learn. We learn principles and truths that we can apply into our new covenant living. Uh, not all of it is to us, but it's all for us. It's all for us. And and what is to us is found in the New Covenant, especially the writings of the Apostle Paul, who was the apostle sent to the Gentiles. That's that's where we live our lives in the letters of Paul and and what Jesus taught Paul to teach us as Gentiles. But we learn from these other uh, places we learn from the history as well, and and there are these axiomatic truths that 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 work in old and new covenant right and so we're going to look at some of those two, uh, this morning from the book of judges now the, the book of judges um, is uh, for, for the, how many of you have ever read the book of judges mm-hmm. it's it's a frustrating read it's a very frustrating read it's three hundred years of I mean peak and valley experiences with the nation of Israel concerning them and their relationship with God. And you see a common uh, phrase that, that kind of uh, uh, weaves throughout the entire book. Of, and that phrase is this, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Right? And then they would be, then they would, the Lord would then allow... Uh, their enemies to be strengthened because they turned from God and they would come under oppression from those enemies. And and then and then after a while they would go, oh yeah, God's on our side. Why don't we cry out to God and ask him for his help? And so they'd cry out to God and God would raise up this judge or deliverer for them. And, and so this this book is those stories. People like Samson, one of the deliverers of, of Israel, you know, who killed uh, a thousand Philistines with a with the jawbone of a donkey, and he killed more Philistines in his death. And there's Deborah, the prophetess. She was also a judge of Israel. Othniel was another one. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, uh, Gideon. But here we're going to read about one that isn't as well-known, but still is written about. And this, this, this man, the Lord raised up. And I love his spirit. I love his fire. I love his fight. And I, I love the fact that he, uh, thank you very much, His decisiveness, his decisiveness, and it was because of that that the Lord used him to deliver Israel. Judges chapter 3, verse 12, and the children of Israel, again, here it is, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 13, then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and here's the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, for those who will just turn to him again. There's always, always a new beginning with God. You can, you can turn to him today, and he's right there. Amen. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter where you've been, if you, you just turn to God today. And he yes. will answer you. He'll be here yeah. for you because he's faithful. And the Bible says even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. Aren't you grateful yes. to God for that? Yes. Amen. The Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Now, I don't know how to pronounce this name, but in in Texas, I would say it's Ehud. Who sounds like a bull rider. Ehud coming out of shoot number two. <laughs> It's probably something like Ehud. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, you no. Know. But <laughs> but we'll call him Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamin, a left-handed man. Any lefties in here? I know that, Mister. Wow, that's way too many. We don't need that many left-handed people in the room. Right. By him, by him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. Oh, yeah, he's coming with a tribute, all right. He made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length. So a cubit is about, anybody know? Foot and a half, that's right. About from elbow to fingertip. All right, so this is no small knife. This thing is a foot and a half long. And fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. The first thing that we're going to take into our lives today from this, because this dagger... When we look at swords and daggers, they are all types of and, and, and figures of the Word of God. Okay? The Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit, right? It's a two-edged sword. Interestingly enough, this dagger is a two-edged sword. So for you and I today, this dagger represents for us the Word of God. And where he positioned this, this dagger, it's kind of a scary place, but it's very up close and personal, isn't it? He fastened it to his right thigh. What does this teach us today? Keep the Word close. Keep the word of God close. You know, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you. You know, what's near you right now, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Which we preach. So, the word is if you are a child of God, the word of God is near you because you have the counselor living on the inside of you. You've got the Spirit of God who is there to guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Amen. And so, He's there to to reveal to us what is freely given to us by God, the promises of God, which, by the way, all of them are for you. Jesus secured, He secured God's promises. For us and all the promises. Second Corinthians one twenty says, All the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is there. He has ensured that those promises are rightfully yours as a children of God. So uh we got to keep the word of God close because it's in us, it is near us, but we gotta get near it. We have a part to play in the nearness of the word. And that is you must be aware of the word of God. And that and, and the way you be aware and the way you stay aware is to stay in the environment of the word, to have a daily non-negotiable time in the word of God, whether you're listening to it or whether you've got your eyes on it, you're reading it, whether you're singing the word of God, whether you're meditating on it or even taking some time to memorize, you know, you can memorize scripture. You can, you can, and I highly recommend it. It's amazing how much you can accumulate in Bible memory. If you'll just commit to do one verse a week, just one, one simple verse. Uh, And and I would say start at the promises, the the, the good news, the good news verses, stuff like my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm? You get the word in you and it's amazing if you just did one verse a week. My family, in one year's time, you've got 52 verses memorized of the scriptures. Now you just keep expanding that over time and I mean you'll just accumulate. So it's not that hard. So get the word in you and and stay close to it. The book of Deuteronomy, uh, God speaking to the children of Israel, and he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Uh, The Lord is one. And then verse uh, 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's a tall order, isn't it? (laughs) In other words, I want all of you. That's what he's saying. I want all of you. All right, well, how's that going to happen? Then he shows us what it looks like to love the Lord with everything in us. Interestingly enough, verse 6, it says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. In other words, start there. Get my word in your heart. How do you get it in your heart? You believe it. You believe it. With the heart, one believes. All right? Next, look what it says, too. Uh, Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. This, is, this needs to be in our life all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. When you're laying down, when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, when your kids are around, when you're out on a walk, talk about it. Talk the word. Verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. I mean, if you're going to get a tattoo, might as well make it the word of God. <laughs> I don't know if that's what that's talking about. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, get the word up where you can see it, where you you can see it. At your entrances to your house, let, let, let yourself see the word. Amen. Wherever you go and you're coming in and you're going out, be about the word of God. And this will keep you in the love of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my word. If you love me, you'll keep my word. So stay close to the word. Keep the word close to you. Amen. Because here's here's the potential of it. Paul says in Acts 20, verse 32, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want that. Right? It's able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Look at verse 17 in Judges 3. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, King of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. All right? This is just a simple thing to remember. Never let the size of your problems intimidate you. All right? Eglon's a big old dude, and I'm sure he's intimidating. But uh, but Ehud was not going to be intimidated. Hmm? bigger they are, the harder they fall. Verse 18, and when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. This is talking about Ehud, the people that came with him. They offered the king the tribute, and then Ehud sent the people away. So now he's the only one representing Israel at this moment. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So now there are two people in the room. It's Ehud and Eglon. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And even the hilt went in after, you know the hilt, right? The little little uh, scroll looking thing, the handle. The hilt went in after the blade. I mean, this guy got stabbed. Right? Yeah. And the fat closed around the blade. This is kind of gross too, but it's kind of fun to read. And he <laughs> and he did not or could not draw the dagger out of his belly and his entrails came out. <laughs> King James Version says, and the dirt came out. This is what the Word of God will get the dirt out of you. You get the Word of God in you, the dirt will come out. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> it's a washing, regenerating Word of God. Praise God. Apply the Word. Here's the next thing. This first one is... Uh, uh, What was the first one? Huh? Keep the word close. Thank you, Faith. My faithful note taker up here. This next one is apply the word until it sticks. Huh? Apply the word until it sticks. Could not. Once that word has made entrance, everything changes. All right? There is no going back to where you once were. There is no doing things like you once did them. The word of God has changed your situation. It is stuck, it is fastened, and now your situation has changed. Hallelujah. Amen. Do not be overcome by evil, Romans 12 says, but overcome evil with good. This, this means you've got to keep the pressure on with the word of God. All right? Keep applying it until it sticks. Uh, you know, I know what we have available on, on our app and even on our website is a thing I wrote up years and years ago uh, called uh, Daily Proclamations. And it's I just took the scriptures, lots of promised scriptures that you can make personal, made them personal where you can just read it out loud and apply it to your own life. And I would encourage you to have a daily habit of that, just speaking the word over you and your your marriage, your children, uh, and and let the word of God influence every aspect of your life. Life just gets better when we involve God in it because he knows what he's doing. And he's here. He's here to bring us into the good things that he has for us. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. I like Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, talking about Jesus as our high priest, one who is there uh, mediating for us. And it says that he has become our high priest of the good things to come. Wow, see, Jesus is sitting on that throne on our behalf to ensure good things come our way. In 1886, Walter George broke the world record for the mile run. He ran it in four minutes and 12 and three-quarter seconds. And then a guy by the name of Numi in 1923 set a new record, and he did it in four minutes and 10 seconds. And it took 36 years between those two runners to shave off two seconds. And, um, and in the 1930s, there were two men in Middlesex, England, one... Uh, they were both diagnosed at the same hospital by the same doctor with the same disease. And this disease would, was this, that they would be confined eventually to a wheelchair, never to walk again, but be in a wheelchair the rest of their lives. And w- one of the men accepted the diagnosis, and, and before long, he was definitely confined to a wheelchair. But the other one had a different spirit about him. His name was Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister. And Roger Bannister told the doctor, and I quote, not only will I walk, but I will run. And Roger Bannister, after a very sad, sad experience of thousands of thousands of attempts to get out of that wheelchair, only to fail, only to fall, again and again and again, he just kept going. He would not give up. Not only will I walk, but I will run. And in one day, one day, his body started to slowly unlock And you know what? It began to give in to his will. And before long, he was up, and he was walking. And then next thing you know, this man is running. He is doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Roger Bannister, (laughs) this is beautiful, in 1954 on May 6th in Oxford, England, he broke the mile record. Not only did he break the mile record, but he also did it in three minutes and 59.4 seconds. Now listen, it was believed at that time that no one would ever beat four minutes. No one could ever run it in under four minutes. They, had conv- they were convinced of it. And he did it in three minutes and 59 seconds. I mean, the odds are completely stacked against this guy. Not only has the challenge of his own body and all of that struggle for however long that took, but then also just this general consensus By the many that there's no way that somebody can breach four minutes, but Roger Bannister did it. And something happened to the other athletes in the world when Roger Bannister broke that record. It's like this this tattoo that had been there was now removed. And over the next four years, 25 athletes breached four minutes. 25 different runners, and until 1999, when a man by the name of Haikem I can't pronounce that last name, but uh, he's from Morocco, he set a new world record that still stands today at a blistering pace of three minutes and 43 seconds. The doctor who had given the diagnosis to these two men years later after, upon seeing them, he told Roger Bannister, he said, you absolutely had this disease, and the fact that you walked and... <laughs> Became the fastest man in the world is nothing short of a miracle. The sad part of this story is the other man, he told him, he said, I misdiagnosed you. You never had it. He said, you confined yourself to a wheelchair because you accepted my diagnosis. Wow. Wow. Now, this fight that we have, my family, is a fight against an enemy who don't lay down and die easy. He is crafty. And he roams about like a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking whom he may devour. He has one um, MO, and that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is what he's out to do. So you have to understand that you're fighting an enemy that does not want to stop until you are harmed, until you are dead, until until you've lost. Something wrong has happened in your life because of it. And so here's the thing. How do we fight him? We don't fight him with beating our fists in the air, we fight him with the Word of God. All right? Because he's no match for the Word. You can't outwit the devil. He's been around way too long for that. Huh? You can't wish him away. uh, No, he's real. And so you're going to have to face the real devil. But But the way you do it and the way to win is by the Word. Jesus himself was our shining example. When he was led by the Spirit to go be tempted of the devil, Jesus didn't do all the God stuff that he could have done. I mean, he's God in the flesh. He could have snapped his finger, and the devil could have dissipated into a million pieces. I mean, he could have really used his his divinity here, but he (coughs) he came here to live as a man. The Word became flesh, and so what did he tell the devil? He said, it is written. In other words, this is what the Bible says, devil. And he quoted the word. So then the devil attempted to begin with something else. He said, well, this is what the Bible says here. It is written here. And he, he tempted him again. What did Jesus say? He just kept on the word. He just kept applying the word. He just kept saying it. This is what the word says. And finally the devil was like, okay. You apply the word until it sticks. The full force of the word of God. Don't stop until you're living in that promise. Amen. Because it is yours. But it is going to be a a fight. But here's the cool thing. If you'll fight, you'll win. All right? We don't fight flesh and blood. We don't fight each other. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. But we overcome by our shield of faith and by the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Verse 23, I'm almost through. Then Ehud went out through the porch, this is after he stabbed that guy, shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. And when he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. I won't go into what that possibly means. Verse 25, so they waited until they were embarrassed, Until, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. They're, talking, they're waiting for their king out, outside the doors, right? Therefore they took the key, opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Syrah, verse 27. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains and he led them. Watch this. He said to them, follow me for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites into your hands. One guy's dead and this guy's already acting like they won. He's killed one guy. Huh? Follow me. The Lord has delivered your enemies into your hand. What are we going to learn here? We're going to learn to speak by faith. This is what we're learning here. We're learning to speak by faith. The Lord has delivered your enemies into your hands. And that's, why, that's one reason why I love the United States of America. I talked to our 930 service about this, and you've heard me ask this before and talk to you about this. But it's so important that we remember, remember this. What day? Did the Revolutionary War end? Does anybody know the date? Come on, guys. The most important war probably in our history. The Revolutionary War. Anybody know when it ended? Now, you can't cheat if you're in the first service, Tony. Okay, I'm going to give you the official date. October the 19th, 1781. Does that mean anything to you? October 19th. No, we're July 4th, not October. July 4th ain't when the Revolutionary War ended. It kind of started there. Hmm? But Cornwallis surrendered to George Washington in Yorktown on October the 19th, 1781, which basically technically ended the war. It just all kind of domino effect from there. They, st- they were just retreating from there. But that date to us Americans, that don't mean nothing to us. The date for us is July 4th, 1776. It's not the day that our enemy actually surrendered. It's the day we decided we were going to be free. And we declared that we were going to be free. Huh? And, and, and five years and however many months, three, three months and 15 days later, we actually were. Huh? See, you're, you're, you're free. Not, because, not the day the devil decides to leave you alone. It's the day you decide to make up your mind. Today is my day of declaration. Today I am free. And it don't matter what struggle I have to face, what kind of fight I've got to fight, I'm an overcomer because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And Jesus Christ has secured my freedom. It was for freedom that he made me free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So I declare today that I am free. Come on. Right now, why don't you just say I'm free today? Whatever you, it is you're, you're struggling with right now, you can make your day of declaration here right now and say today I'm deciding I'm free. Yeah. Right. And if you'll fight right. with that determination, my family, you're going to win because yeah. you already won because he already won for you. Amen. Yeah. And the victory that you have is a gift given by him. Jesus already won. But we need to con- continue to enforce the victory that we've already been given. We, we, we will not lay down and be silent. Hmm? But we have a word. And that word of God is a two-edged sword. And it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is the answer. It is help for your spirit, your soul, and your body. But you're going to have to get it in your mouth. Keep the word close to you. It's near you. Keep it in your mouth. Keep it in your heart. Keep talking about it. Keep hearing it. Keep thinking on it. Hallelujah. Keep applying until it sticks. And speak words of faith. Call those things that be not as though they were. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. My family, Christianity is not wishful thinking. huh? Faith in God is not, we'll oh, hope it all works out. No, it's not a gamble. The only gamble that you're doing, gambling that you're doing, is if you're not in faith. huh? It's risky not to believe. It's not risky to believe. I don't like the phrase, risk it in faith. No, faith takes the risk out. Faith is the sure thing. <laughs> Amen. It's risky to walk in fear. It's risky to walk in doubt and unbelief. Amen. The faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of those things hoped for. And we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. Amen. And it is the victory that overcomes the world. Keep the word close. Never let the size of your problem intimidate you or dictate your actions. Apply the word until it sticks and speak words of faith. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.